0: Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network.
1: You're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD.
2: Well, hello and welcome everybody to episode number 267 of Linux in the Hamshack. This is the first weekender edition. Of the brand new year, 2019. So we hope everybody has had a good holiday season, a good month off of not listening to us. And now you're ready to dive back in with us and be a part of Linux in the ham shack again, just as we are. So what we're going to talk about today are the things that are coming up over the next couple of weeks in the amateur radio and open source worlds, things that you can do events that you can participate in, projects that you might want to try, and a little bit of hedonism down at the bottom of the show. So it should be a good time. I don't remember which numbered weekender we're at, but we'll roll into it. And when I release it, you know, you'll find out as I do. So I'm Russ, K5TUX.
0: I'm Cheryl, W5MOO.
2: And I'm Bill, NE4RD. And as we have said many times on this program, you are listening to the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet, and we can say that with some authority. So the first thing we're going to dive into is stuff coming up this weekend and stuff coming up this weekend in the amateur radio world. For example, contests. So Bill, what kind of contests are coming up? What can people participate in this weekend in amateur radio?
3: Yeah, well, we got got uh, quite a few good ones coming up here this weekend. We have the uh, North American Cuso Party, a single sideband edition. It runs from 1,800 Zulu on January 19th to 0,559 Zulu on January 20th. And this comes hot off the heels of the CW version of this contest. We have the voice version uh coming this weekend. And this one's great because the highest power allowed for scoring is 100 watts. So this is a good time to break out your barefoot rig and start talking. <laughs> It'd be a change uh, from the people that did ready roundup and uh, didn't talk at all. No, this is great. And uh piggybacked onto this is the North American Collegiate Championship, also single sideman running exactly the same time, eighteen hundred Zulu uh January nineteenth through zero five fifty nine Zulu, January twentieth, and basically this is just augmenting the uh N- NAQP contest uh with uh collegiate uh collegiate um um teams and stuff like that for uh for the various schools that want to compete against each other during the NAQP. And I believe uh, they follow the same rules and everything else. Uh, You just set up your team as a collegiate team, uh, whether that be a contest station or a club station at a school. Uh, They have their own little augmented set of rules, so check that out as well. And if you don't want to do HF this weekend... There is the big ARRL January VHF contest, and that one is running from 1900 Zulu, January 19th, to 0359 Zulu, January 3rd, uh, 21st. So this is a get your rover running and head out on the highway. This is a 50 megahertz and up contest and should be loads of fun. Openings on 6 meter have been popping up daily for a brief period of time here in the U.S., including uh, one opening to uh, Australia and New Zealand last week from the West Coast. So... uh should be able to have some good fun on VHF. Uh, I know quite a few rovers that are heading out there for sure. So uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely be on the lookout and uh, at least get on six meters if you got it. Most of your HF rigs do. You know, put something up in the air and uh, and, and get on that contest and uh, help those rovers out. Yeah, score some points. And he, that's all for this weekend. He totally
2: did not do that in a la Steppenwolf. I
3: know. <laughs> get your rover running. Run run in on the highway in on the highway <laughs> <There you go. laughs> I was I was that's why I put it in there like that <laughs> uh, I didn't know how well'll come off with our our delayed bandwidth issues <laughs> sure in the recording you won't hear those problems but
2: <laughs> uh all right so very good it's quite a few things coming up and that the bands you know from uh the cusa party and the collegiate championship running simultaneously the band should be super busy at that time so if you want to make some contacts yeah they're hoping that it. would be the time
3: yeah definitely hoping a lot of activity there and they're, they're those those two are meant to be together so there's no uh separation and scoring and stuff like that that you have to be worried about 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 participating in the naqp and contacting a college station because they're all going to be part of the same thing same exchange everything else so So it'll be almost transparent. I'm not even sure why they even list them separately, but I guess they want this to be the, uh, you know, specifically for their particular particular scoring or submission is is slightly different.
2: All right. Very good. So next weekend, there's a couple of contests going around, too. The first one is the 160-meter CQ contest, which, of course, is operating on CW. From 2200 Zulu on January 25th to 2200 Zulu on January 27th, lots of top band goodness out there uh the conditions should be good and quiet at this time of the year but you know of course when people start operating on a particular band the frequencies tend to open up so if you haven't heard anything as of yet on 160 meters might be a good time to actually listen get that you know working or at least get your tuner to the point where you can put out at least a couple of watts on that top band uh, there's also another contest. Um, I'm guessing this is the REF contest, um, which is also yes. CW from 600 Zulu on January 26th to 1800 Zulu on January 27th. And I'm going to butcher this, but it's the Réseau de Émetteurs Français, Union Français de Radio Amateur, n'est-ce pas?
3: Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. That's that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm betting everyone in France just, like, tore their headphones off. And
3: <laughs> Yeah, like, screw these guys, <laughs> bunch of jokers. Such idiots. Yeah, basically, CW, stick to the IARU band plan and for your area, and it's uh, HF, uh, except for I don't believe it's top band. It'll only be uh, Eight 80 through 10, through- no work bids.
2: The usual stuff.
3: Yep, 80 through 10.
2: Yep, yep. Uh, which is what makes the 160-meter uh, CQ contest a little different because it's actually on 160 meters, which a lot of contests are not. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, we also have some special event stations coming up over the next couple of weeks. Uh, the first one that I jotted down here was QuartzFest, which is not in and of itself a special event station, but it's a special event station operating at a hamfest, basically. Uh, this happens on January 19th from 0800 Zulu to January 26th, 1200 Zulu, which is basically the entire span of the Ham Fest. Uh, the event is Quartz Fest 2019, celebrating its 22nd anniversary. It's an ARRL specialty convention being held on those dates near Quartzite, Arizona. Um, no other ham fest in the world brings together in one gathering so much innovation in mobile antenna systems, mobile ham shacks, recreational vehicles, portable and mobile MCOM systems, off the grid living, alternative energy and radio education. Except I would say maybe for Hamvention, but,
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: well, you know, <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, this is out in the middle of the desert. So this is kind of like a, everybody has to go there. Yes. Thing. not like there's anything
2: that's true there. <laughs> there is nothing there except a whole bunch of rvs if you've ever been to quartzite and i have been to quartzite um you know that there is quite literally nothing there except a bunch of people in rvs yeah, so pretty much
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so anyway there's that and they will be operating call signs w7q from Quartzfest this year uh We also have Kansas Day 2019. The call sign for that is going to be the call sign of the Santa Fe Trail Amateur Radio Club, which is KS0KS. Uh, and they'll be hosting this event to celebrate the admission of the Kansas Territory into the Union as the 34th state. Uh James Buchanan signed the bill admitting Kansas into the Union on January 29th, 1861. And they'll be operating on January 26th because, because. Um, and that will be <laughs> from 16... 16-
3: Because it's close enough. (laughs) Nobody cares. It's Kansas. Come on, (laughs) the flyover state. So
2: that's going to be from sixteen hundred Zulu to twenty one hundred Zulu on the twenty sixth. They will be operating for that special event. Uh, Then there's also the the special event commemorating the discovery of gold in El Dorado County, California. Uh, The call sign will be the El Dorado County ARC's call sign, uh, Alpha Golf Six Alpha Uniform. This will be from January twenty sixth, twenty sixth, seventeen hundred Zulu to January twenty eighth, oh one hundred Zulu, and it's commemorating the one hundred and seventy first anniversary of the discovery of gold in Coloma, California. Special event will be on the air as HG six AU from the gold discovery site on those dates. So there you go, some special events you can such a such a good call sign HG six AU, yeah, yeah, silver yep. and gold. Silver That's and gold. right, very good. <laughs> All right. So normally in this space we would have some announcements. I don't have any announcements. Do you have any announcements? Uh, <laughs> does anybody in the
3: chat room? No. <laughs> does anybody in the chat room have any announcements? If they do Oh, somebody just announced something, uh, didn't they? That some some ham fest was not going to be in the location uh, yes. it was named after. Jeremy,
2: KC Zero nuk UK, put in the chat room a little bit ago that he had just read that the Victoria Springs Ham Fest, which I'm not sure which Victoria Springs that is. Um, will not be in victoria springs this year it will be at bader memorial park near chapman and i'm not, i don't know what state we're talking about you want to look that up real quick while i'm <laughs> mentioning it thank you yes it's nebraska. In nebraska there we go so apparently it will be in chapman which and he it- says for some of us will be quite a bit further but to offset that the location is closer for a bunch more people and therefore might attract more folks to the hempest so Victoria Springs Nebraska is on which side of Nebraska east that's the part i don't visit <laughs> the, all Oh wait, of it. that's, that's all the same of it. part that i don't visit
3: that's uh, where the heck is it <laughs> oh yeah it's like out dead center in the middle of oh, nowhere oh somewhere near grand island
2: then okay yeah sure <laughs> cuz it's either nebraska grand or it's either uh, omaha grand island or nowhere
3: yeah I don't even see Grand Island. It, it's here, there, so. believe me. I've been to it. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's in the northwest okay. of Grand oh, Island. Oh yeah. So that's even further out into nowhere. So <laughs> Yeah, that's what I said it's nowhere. All right. <laughs> but maybe it's somewhere that it's not nowhere anymore. But I don't see the updated information here on the website. Oh,
2: maybe so. I don't know. There's there's a there's a town out in western Kansas called Goodland, um, which is a total misnomer. But apart from that, it's um the only reason anyone knows anything about goodland is because it's where all the snow piles up when the storms come through the midwest so you can always judge how bad you're going to get (laughs) hammered by how much snow goodland is under so anyway moving on from that let's talk about the lhs ham radio challenge for this bi-week fortnight uh if you have the opportunity i just threw this in there because because uh i was writing down a bunch of special event stations so uh if you have the opportunity to operate the transceiver for a local amateur radio special event station do so in other words if you have one that's operating somewhere near you you know actually get on there and be a part and be a transmitter actually key up for your special event i've done that before uh it's kind of cool actually and if not Uh, Check out some of the special events that we've mentioned and maybe some of the ones that we haven't and see if you can make a contact and get a cert or a QSL card from one of those special events. They're on the air to make contacts, so make contacts. All right. So moving on from that, we're going to jump into the open source world of things. And in the open source world, we usually mention a distribution to try. This time will be no different. I found this distribution in a list of the top five distributions of 2018. Uh, I don't remember where that actual list came from, but this, this was the, the different one that was on the list because it was like Ubuntu 1804 and then Fedora 29 and like Solus, you know, a bunch of well known distributions. And then this one called Void Linux. And Void, according to themselves, is a general-purpose operating system based on the monolithic Linux kernel. Its package system allows you to quickly install, update, and remove software. Software is provided in binary packages or can be built directly from sources with the help of the K or XBPS source package collection. It is available for the Intel 80s, x86 and x86-64 ARM and MIPS processor architectures. Software-based packages can be built natively or cross-compiled through the XBPS source package collection. Uh, I did actually get to the point of downloading and running this in a VM. It runs fine. They have several different versions of desktop environments. They have Cinnamon, Mate, LXDE, XFCE, um, and a couple others. and. Other than the installation procedure being extraordinarily archaic, it actually loaded up and ran fine. It, it, it's a live distro. So you can boot it, you know, into a VM environment or onto bare metal and it will just go ahead and run, you know, out of the box. The download was only about 800 meg. So it it wasn't super huge. (laughs) Um, in order to run the installer, you actually have to run it from a CLI. You have to do, you know, you have to boot up the live image and then open a terminal and type void dash installer. And that brings you into an end curses based install script. And you have to walk it down through the various, you know, things that it asks you, like what time zone are you in? What's your keyboard configuration? What's your, you know, stuff like that. And then it actually gets to the point where it fires up parted, not even GParted, it's actual parted and you have to manually configure your disk at that point. Yeah, manually. No Manual? no no options whatsoever what for heck? configuring your disk. No auto configuration at all. Is this like
3: sure this is not, not Gentoo <laughs> yeah, or sure. something?
2: <laughs> and then once you get done with that it doesn't fall fine and <laughs> it boots up just fine. Um but again, it uses its own package manager. This this distribution was not forked from any other distribution. It is its own distro. Uh the only thing that makes it Linux is it uses the Linux kernel uh they've written their own package manager and all the utilities are all based um by the developers of void so you know it would definitely take some getting used to if you wanted to try it but if you want to get a little bit out of your your comfort zone you could certainly give this one a go it's not so rustic that someone who's relatively new can't use it but it would definitely take some effort so but if you want to try something a little different give Void a try it's not bad i mean there's nothing wrong with it it's just a little different. So, uh, and, of course, a link to where you can download Void will be in the show notes, or you can simply Google for Void Linux. It's the top hit. Don't worry about it. All right. So moving on from there, we've got some events coming up this week and next week in the open source spectrum. So, Bill, you want to hit a couple of these?
3: Sure. We'll do uh, events this week. Uh, we got the Linux Conf Australia which is, uh, going to be this year at the University of Canterbury in Christchurch, New Zealand. So not in Australia, but in the ANZ area. Uh, when well, it's going to be January 21st through the 25th, 2019, it's a uh, themed Linux of things. The 2019 LinuxConf.au, uh, or Linux.conf.au will again attract speakers and attendees, attendees from across the world to socialize, fraternize, fraternize, lecture, listen, ask, answer, and share with their peers. The conference will explore the use of free and open source software and hardware for the Internet of Things devices, along with the security concerns, privacy, and legal aspects, environmental impacts, everyday communication, health ethics, and much more. And that's linked in the show notes. The other conference we have for this week is, uh, or upcoming, I guess, shortly, is uh, devconf.cz. And this is in... BR No, Brno? Bruno? Che- <laughs> yeah, Chechia? Yeah. Brno Chechia, I think that's it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Chechia. Uh, Brno Chetia, something like that. There you go. It's uh, January twenty-fifth through the twenty-seventh, twenty nineteen. And it's a free Red Hat sponsored community conference for developers, admins, DevOps DevOps engineers, testers, documentation writers, and other contributors to open source technologies such as Linux, middleware, virtualization, storage cloud. And mobile, where floss communities sync, share, and hack on upstream projects together. <laughs> that's <in> <laughs> You're right, it is. Yes. Sorry. Also I'm getting like a bunch I don't of know. Better, <laughs> better check the porn. <laughs> okay, so yeah, <laughs> I was like, "What is all the noise in the after background?" That, I believe <clears throat> <so> we've had <laughs> anyway.
2: one or two of our listeners mention this to us, but it did show up in the open source calendar events coming up, and that is FOSDEM 2019, which is a very popular unconference that happens in Brussels, Belgium. Uh, this year, it'll be from the second through the third of February 2019. FOSDEM is the free and open source developers' European meeting. It is a free event for software developers to meet, share ideas, and collaborate. There are no tickets or registration. The event features two main tracks, lightning talks, mini conferences in the form of developer rooms, and dozens of FOSS projects stands in an open exhibition. So I know we have at least a couple of our listeners who attend FOSDEM. So if you want to join with your peers over in Belgium and you know talk about open source and get involved in projects and listen to lightning talks and then go get high, you definitely want to check that out. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Netherlands I mean. is only like a hop, skip, and jump away, right? So, I mean, it's a quick train ride. <laughs> uh, yeah,
3: in theory. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if you're on like, you no, know, the Thalys or something like
2: that. Cool. So, anyway, Fosdem 2019, check it out. Uh, first couple of days of February. All right, for the open source challenge in the Linux in the Hamshack world for this fortnight. I put in here to attempt to build an application into a package, whether you build it into an RPM deb or some other package maintainers package system. So that's, this is something that I put in here basically for myself because it's something I've wanted to do. And hopefully this will inspire me to actually go and do it because it seems like it should not be that terribly difficult, but it's one of those things. Like if you have no real impetus to do it, then, you know, learning it becomes harder. And Bill, I know you've built packages before. So on a scale of, you know, zero to 10 on the difficulty scale, zero being the easiest, 10 being the most difficult, if you're going to take a source built package that you downloaded from GitLab and turn it into a deb, how difficult do you consider that? Okay. It's
3: probably like a five. Not very hard. It takes a little reading to make sure you set up your config files properly. But, I mean, building right. it is a so mid-level
2: difficulty. Simple. That seems exactly where I would want it to be for me to actually kind of get this done. So, very cool. So, if anybody else wants to try and build something into a package, whether you're going to actually use it as a package or not, but just to see if you have enough script food to actually build a package, uh, you know, get out there and give it a try. And just in the nick of time, we had Cheryl show back up so we can dive on into hedonism. Woo. Yeah. So do you actually have your
0: thing yes. up in front of you? All yes, right. I do.
2: Fantastic. Then let's dive into hedonism. It's been a month. We need we need some hedonism.
0: Do we? Yeah, we do. Do we need food? Well, we yeah, need we need food. Okay. So, <laughs> <a second. laughs> all right.
2: <That's, clears
0: throat> we've, we've been hungry all eaten. this None time, of us time eaten with no month, food. So tell us what, wow. we're, what we're having now. Well, obviously, we need to start with dessert first. So this time we're going to have New York style cheesecake. Ooh, sounds good. Ooh, yeah. So for this, you need 15 graham crackers or a box of graham cracker cracker crumbs, excuse me, and some butter, uh, some cream cheese, some sugar, some milk, some eggs, sour cream, vanilla, and a little bit of flour. And you mix your butter and your graham cracker crumbs together and do that as the base of your cheesecake. And then you mix your cream cheese and your sugar and all the other jazz together and bake it and the secret to a well-done cheesecake to keep it from cracking is you put it in the oven with a pan of water you shut the door you cook it for an hour you turn it off you leave it in there for the rest of the day so let it do its thing for five or six hours before you pull it out again or open the door So,
2: so so this is a cheesecake that you actually bake now there are all kinds of recipes for no baked cheesecakes
0: yeah, and I've done this cheesecake several times before. This is that cheesecake that weighs 27 pounds when you pull right. it Right,
2: no, and it's a very good cheesecake. But I'm, I'm going to ask you, since you're the one who likes to cook, what is the advantage over baking a cheesecake over doing a no-bake cheesecake, or vice versa? Well,
0: okay. Um, if you want a true New York-style cheesecake, you're going to have to bake it. If you want something quick and easy that tastes like sugar and cream cheese, grab some cream cheese and some sugar and a pre-done graham cracker pie crust and usually a container of cool whip and mix it together i've done both you know i've done both
2: does what's what does baking it give you
0: baking it gives you a richer and creamier taste and if i remember correctly you are not a big fan of the no-bake cheesecakes You'll eat them, but I don't think you're a big fan of Well, them. I'm not a
2: big fan of cheesecake in general. I mean, every once in a while, the cheesecake is a wonderful thing. But
0: yeah. See, when that's... it
2: comes to super rich desserts like fudge and cheesecake and German chocolate cake and anything that's super rich and super dense, for me, a little goes a real long way.
0: So. Yeah, see, my favorite dessert of all is cheesecake, so yeah. Mine too. Russ so, hates creme, I, creme brulee. He's like, why do I want to eat uh, art sugar? I'm like, oh, but it is so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
3: yeah, w- oh, yeah. When you actually find one that's like, it's really yeah. good, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's heaven. You go <laughs> through so many crappy creme brulees <laughs> in your life <laughs> that well, you yeah. just go to do it just to see if you can find the perfect one. Like if, if somebody actually did it right. <laughs> you know? Like it's got to be the right temperature and everything else. I like a New York cheesecake because to,
0: like, to me it does not seem yeah, just, just the the no bake cheesecakes to me are super super sweet. Yeah, and they're horrible. Um, they're but horrible. you know if we're having a picnic or something and I'm in a hurry, I'm just like for yeah. it. You know, a New York style cheesecake to me is not super sweet. Yeah, it's sweet, but it's right. Exactly. You can have it plain, no, or you, you can, can put, put it or anything whatever. on top of right.
3: it. I mean, that, that, um, it's s- dense. It can
0: right. Yeah. So you know, if yeah, I had to, if anything. I had to
3: give you a list
0: of like my favorite desserts in the world, a New York style cheesecake and carrot cake, or hummingbird cake, one of the other probably carrot cake would be tied for first. And then from there, it would be a key lime pie, pumpkin pie because I'm a huge fan of that, creme brulee, um, and probably tiramisu. I think those are my favorite desserts of all, and a good. Good, super good, um, meringue pie, like a lemon meringue or a chocolate meringue or something like that. Because I, for some re- reason, have this thing about meringue. But and Russ just kind of looks at me like I'm an idiot, <laughs> so, you know. Although last night we did have we did have a piece of carrot cake, and he, <laughs> he enjoyed cake. that. So
2: yeah, <laughs> if we're talking about pies and cakes, um, you know, Dutch apple, pecan, and carrot slash hummingbird are. Definitely my top three. So, nope, not no, not a big fan of the strawberry. Not strawberry the strawberry rhub. rhubarb. Not not a big
0: fan. Yeah, I'm not a big. My dad <laughs> loved rhubarb, and I'm like, Bleh. and my mother loved raisin, uh buttermilk raisin pie, and I would, I would sit there and watch her eat that and just gag in my head. I'm just like, bull, don't make a noise, don't make a noise. <laughs> and I, don't,
2: she's like, I don't do any fruit pies except apple. Apple is the only <laughs> fruit pie. Ever.
0: Yeah, there's actually a, a cafe near here that does fried pies, and Russ oh, yeah. will just almost cry if he walks in and they don't have apple on the list. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, apple is on the list, but it's also one of them that sells out fairly quick. And we ate there.
2: Yeah, Ted. Ted says you miss bananas, yeah, Foster. Ted. Ted's-
0: you know, banana foster is pretty good, but it's not not one of my favorite yeah. desserts. Uh, so. I don't like
2: I don't like bananas as a dessert. I don't.
0: So. No, but you love banana bread, so uh,
3: I do love some banana bread. That's right.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna make you some banana bread. So,
3: yeah, banana foster is one of those things too. You're gonna get made probably <laughs> <Yeah>. more <laughs> horribly in a lot of yeah. places <laughs> than it, than it is to make at home. I mean, you know, it's it's actually really right. super simple. There's just like five ingredients. There are but, so uh, for places some places that reason, they, just, like, you know, they
0: can take the simplest dessert and, you know, like, creme brulee. Creme brulee is not that hard, but so many people can completely ruin it. Yeah, you know, and yeah, you're just like, how did you do this? How did out. you ruin this? <laughs> you know, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
3: you, you really tried hard to screw this up.
0: <laughs> yeah, you put a huge amount of effort put in. a lot of effort in failing. Yeah. Yeah, we ate in Atlanta, which as far as I know, they've closed. But there's a restaurant in downtown Atlanta called Daly's that we ate with with my brother. And they had a, what would you call that? A dessert buffet, basically. And they had a hummingbird cake there that was eight or ten layers. The pieces were huge. But yeah, my brother and I were, we both got a piece of it and we were basically just rolling around on the cake, on the table. <laughs> I was just like, this stuff is amazing. And was, that was Russell's first <laughs> attempt at hummingbird cake. And he took a couple of bites of it and went, you want to trade? Because he got like apple pie. And I'm like, no, get back. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but and that's the thing. there's um, Silver Dollar City in Branson, Missouri. Has an amazing carrot cake, but they sell out of it. If you don't get a piece by nine o'clock in the morning, you're not getting a piece. And it, we've been every year for eighteen years, and you've gotten what one piece of carrot cake at Silver Dollar City so far? Two, I think. Two. Okay, yeah. The so two pieces in eighteen years is what we've managed to score. So, yeah. And they do have a very good carrot cake. It is
2: a very good carrot cake. <laughs> All right, so moving on from there, we'll hit my drink corner real fast. And this time, I mentioned in the last one of these that we did that I was going to hit what I was considering my favorite bourbon at the time. Uh, Since then, I've acquired some other ones. And that one is still my favorite, but I want to touch on one that's a little bit different. This one is also very, very good, unlike the last one. I talked about Tin Cup, and I know Jeremy was in here before uh, and he said he bought a bottle of tin cup and really enjoyed it, but he said he was using it uh in mixed drinks, and I think tin cup is perfectly acceptable as a mixed drink maker or something you could use as in a Manhattan or as a cocktail like with a rum and uh coke and whiskey or something like that. Um, but when I do a review, I am talking about the spirit as if you 're going to drink it by itself, so <clears throat> that 's why i didn 't look at tin cup particularly favorable. But today, we're going to look at what is often and in many places an allocated release. And I haven't really talked about allocated release spirits uh, much lately or at all, actually, um, because I personally have not actually owned any uh, limited allocation releases until recently. So I'll touch on that real briefly. What this means is these are spirits that are available, but they're only Distributed to stores in limited quantities. It's not like your maker's mark that you can go into any liquor store in the country at any time and purchase. So, this particular bourbon is the Willet Pot Still Reserve, and it's, I would say, one of the more available limited releases. There are some that are incredibly, incredibly hard to find. Um, if you've ever heard of Blanton's, uh, you'll know that it's very hard to find. If you've ever, ever heard of uh, Elmer T. Lee or George T. Stagg or some of these other bourbons, they're incredibly, incredibly hard to come by. Um, this one is not quite like that. It's still on the hard-to-get scale, but it's a lot easier than some of those other ones I just mentioned. So if you go to a, a decent liquor store in your area, you will probably find some Willet. Um but it probably won't be on the shelf. You probably have to ask for it. That being said, it's not particularly expensive. I, I purchased my bottle for in the high forties. So even though it's hard to get, it doesn't have a rare price, which is kind of nice. Um, and some of those other ones I mentioned also don't have particularly high price tags. They're just very hard to come by. So will it in this case, um, There, there's more than one Willet, but this is the pot still reserve that I'm talking about specifically. Uh, Willet as a company has a storied past starting in the late 1600s. And if you want to read about how Willet has gone through its different paces and iterations of being open and closed and so on over the last several hundred years, feel free to check that out. Um, but this, this, um, has a really nice sort of combination of flavors. And I was able to find a reference to a potential mash bill for this particular bourbon. And they say it's likely 72% corn, 13% rye, and 15% malted barley. But since it's a single barrel um, release, that means the mash bill can vary with each release. So your the mash bill might be slightly different. Uh, the ABV on this is 47%. It's released at 94 proof. It comes from Bardstown, Kentucky, United States. The color on it is really kind of nice because the bottle is shaped like a pot still. So if you've ever, it's it's probably one of the more unusual bottles in the bourbon world. So if you've ever seen it on the shelf, you'll know exactly what it looks like because it's the only bottle that I'm aware of that's in the shape of a pot still. Um, and the color of the bourbon is actually like a slightly old, bright, Copper. So when the bottle is full and it's on the shelf in good light, it actually looks like a pot still because the color of the bourbon is actually similar to the color of a copper pot still. Um the nose I'm gonna I'm using someone else's tasting notes and I'm gonna refine them uh based on what I've done because after not having bourbon for fourteen plus days and being sick for over a week, I'm not trusting my nose. So um I'm going to, I I have found that what I've tasted and what I've smelled is similar to what they have, but I'm going to kind of modify slightly. Uh, on the nose, they mention brown sugar and spice and wild cherry and oak, butter toast, soft vanilla, corn syrup, molasses, black pepper, subtle floral hints, ripe blueberries, raspberry, and orange. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things there. What I will say. Is I do not particularly get the buttered toast. I do not get the molasses and I do not get the raspberry, but all the other things I can, I can smell, even though I haven't been at it for a while. So take a quick sip here again. Now my, my tongue is really active right now because it hasn't touched alcohol in a while. So everything's got a very sort of bright, um, crisp, peppery kind of thing going on. So I'm going to, I'm going to say that for somebody who's actually not been dry for over two weeks, that these sensations will be somewhat muted. But it's it's tasting to me very rye-forward, very peppery. But it does have the sweet corn and sort of very sweet marmalady orange to it. Uh, the vanilla and the oak is very present. It does have uh, subtle fruit and floral taste to it. Not really identifiable, not like the blueberry and orange you can get when you smell it. And the cherry and black pepper are very prominent for me right now, though I suspect that if you're, you know, not in my position, that they're not quite as forward for you. And then the finish on this is really super long. It's a nice, long, spiced, sort of peppery vanilla, and you get the mouthfeel from the oak tannins, a little bit of the orange kind of in passing, and then, you know, that, like I said, it's got, they say, peppery heat, and yes, I'm definitely getting that. And um they also mentioned coconut, but they say you only get the coconut if you put a little bit of water in it. And I have not put any water in it, so it has not opened up to the point where I can detect anything like coconut. But I will say, for a relatively available, relatively inexpensive bourbon, this has a lot going on. It has a lot of character. It's constantly changing, and it has a really, really full... Mouthfeel and really long finish. These are things that are going to make this a wonderful sipper. You can have an ounce, a half of this and it will last you an hour because of all the things that you get out of it and just how long the flavors last when you try it. So by far and away, well worth 50 bucks or whatever it is you spend when you buy it. And I would, I would give it, you know, based on what it was like when I tasted it originally. And what I taste in it now, easily a 91, because it's really good. And you can actually buy it, which uh is definitely a good thing. So if you get a chance to, go to your liquor store and see if they have in the back closet somewhere a couple of bottles of the Willet Pot Still Reserve, and get yourself some, because it's definitely worth
3: the money. All right, there we go. Bill, what are you drinking? Well, <clears throat> I'm actually drinking red wine. <laughs> well, there you go. But I'm I'm actually gonna review a beer I had while I was in uh in Florida because it was uh it kind of stood out and I didn't find it until gosh, almost like the last two days I was there and I'm like, man, I could have been so happy and so drunk the entire time I was here <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> instead of the crap I was drinking. Um no, I found a, a beer called High Lie, uh which yeah, if you've heard that it's a sport. Uh a, a nice betting sport uh, that uh, people uh, tend to play um this is a, a beer from the cigar city brewing company in tampa florida it is an ipa of course <laughs> we saw all these trucks driving around with highlight on it we thought yeah is the sport like getting popular again or what's going on um and of course it wasn't it was actually just because they're pushing out so many uh cans of beer now uh out of the cigar city brewing company that uh yeah they have their own trucks and that's their big uh Big uh, staple uh, beer, I guess. But uh, from their site, it's a it's an intense bouquet of tangerine and candied orange peeled, entice the nose with wild flavors of clementines, Valencia orange, and subtle caramel. Provide counterpoint to assertive bitterness and rich malt character. A bold hop flavor and aroma from six different hop varieties. In front is front and center in this flavorful American IPA, and I, I agree completely. It was uh, it was very flavorful. And it has a, uh, ABV of 7.5% and an IBU of 70, which is quite respectable. I'm not as high as I like, but it's okay. <laughs>
1: Whatever.
3: Yeah. Triple <laughs> but, digits. Uh, yeah. You need triple digits. Triple digits. Yeah. I'm, I'm like to the 140s. That's what I want. No, um, <laughs> no, it was, it was really good. And I was, I was kind of, I was, yeah, I was really disappointed. I didn't find it till the very end. <laughs> I was like, Oh man, it's been so good to have, but I tried a bunch of other beers while I was there from uh, various breweries. Um, they have like, uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, growler fill at the, uh, the local liquor store with, uh, a bunch of local breweries and stuff like that. So I kind of went around the house and, you know, filled the growler a few times and, um, uh, just really didn't tack onto one that I really enjoyed immensely until I ran across this guy. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was great. So if you have that available to you in the, probably the Southwestern, uh, Southeastern market down there. I'm not sure if it even leaves the state of Florida. Um, but yeah, they have like trucks painted and everything else with the, their logos and stuff all over it. So I'm assuming they have some uh, money in, uh, in, invested in this activity. So maybe you can see this in the uh, Southeastern U S market. Uh, it's a great beer, great IPA. Uh, I wish I could get it up here. It's, it was really good.
2: All right. Very cool. Well, that is going to take us down to the end of the current episode of the weekender. So we will turn around and we will do this in a couple of weeks' time, but in the meantime, we've given you lots of things you can go out and try, some food you can partake of, some beer and whiskey you might be able to pick up and enjoy, and several open-source and amateur-related special events and other events that you can uh, try out over the next couple of weeks while you're waiting for us to put out another episode of Linux on the Ham Shack. Our next episode will be our long format episode. We have not yet settled on a topic, but that will be, you know, announced as soon as we figure out what that's going to be. And in the meantime, hope everyone has a great week and we'll do it all again next Monday night. So saying good night for episode 267 of Linux in the Hamshack.
3: I'm Russ K5TUX.
0: I'm Cheryl W5MOO.
3: And I'm Bill NE4RD73.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the program by visiting the LHS Patreon page of patreon.com-lhspodcast or using the contribute link on the website. Get in touch via social media. The show has a presence on Google+, Plus, Facebook, Twitter, Discord, and YouTube. Or you can drop an email to info at lhspodcast.info or record a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the IRC channel, LHS Podcast, on the Freenode IRC network. Also visit the online merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable LHS merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a Linux convention or Hamfest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info or visit the website for details. The podcast is recorded live every Monday night at eight o'clock p.m. Central Time. Connect to the stream at stream.blacksparrowmedia.net colon eight thousand eight stroke lhs live. Until next time, over and out.